Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. By now, you know our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we've got our kind of typical class interviews. So for the last, I think the last four classes now of the QC FinTech Accelerator Program, we've pulled in participants to talk with them about A, their what their company is, and B, and then B, to kind of go over and talk a little bit about the accelerator program itself and find out, you know, what their benefit from it has been and, and just different aspects of the program. So I'm glad to bring that back to you today. Uh, we've got two, two great young companies here, as we, as we always do. We've got two co-founders from Nigeria, um, SE and FT. Their, um, their startup is called CredPal. So great little startup that we'll learn more about here in a few minutes. And then we have Fausto with Invora, um, also a nice little startup. Uh, both of them, for the most part, got off the ground here in 2017. Both of them found the QC, the QC FinTech Accelerator program in a similar fashion. And uh, so today's, today's podcast is all about finding out a little bit more about who they are, um, why they are here to tackle the problems and challenges associated with, with getting their startup off the ground um, and how they're going to continue growing it forward. So SC and FT, again, um, being Nigerian, I think they speak great English. Um, might be a little bit hard to hear from time to time, but I think they did a really nice job with it. So so bear with them a little bit if, um, if it hits a soft spot. But um, really good interview, really good content for the show today. And excited about y'all having uh, the opportunity to find out about two new uh, class members in the QC FinTech class number eight. So enjoy today's show. So thanks so much for taking some time out of y'all's busy day um, and joining us on the um, on the podcast today. So um, we've got a, a busy schedule, part one, part two of the podcast. So um, certainly excited about getting tuned in here. So um, SC and FT. Um, co-founders of CredPal. Um, can you tell us what CredPal is um, and and then go ahead and backfill us on where where the idea came from. So um, what it is, what you're doing, what markets you're disrupting, and then how you either stumbled into the idea together um, or came up with it over time. Okay. Um, yeah, so CredPal is a technology company that allows consumers to buy anything and pay for it in installments. So pretty much we provide points of sale financing for customers. Um, so we work with retailers who want to offer financing to their customers and the customers too who want to buy items and pay for it in installments. Yeah, and um, we're currently based in Nigeria and our product is designed for emerging markets. So we're looking at Africa, Latin America and some other countries within that space. Um, the problem was was very obvious to us. like. Lots of um, Africans um, had limited access to credit. Yeah. Getting credit was difficult. And for the merchants too, there was slow sales, which kind of stunted the growth of the commerce space in Nigeria, particularly. And that's because customers have to have full payment to buy anything, which means that you're only selling a limited number of items. So with our product, we're kind of solving these problems, both of them, by allowing merchants 
um, offer financing to their customers. So if you can pay cash, if you can pay in full, you can also get in credit, true credit power. And then for the customers too, they now have another option of getting an item. So imagine you move into a new apartment and you need to buy a TV, you need to buy a fridge, you need to buy several items, which is going to be a bit difficult to get all of it in cash. Then you could use credit power to buy some of these items. So it's a big problem for emerging markets for less developed countries, and uh, we've built a product that is solving this. So in the so Nigerian company, yes. um, welcome to the U.S. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, and but in the U.S. we go to Best Buy and we put it on the Best Buy card, and you either pay it off that next month or some people spread it out over however long they need to. Um, essentially what you're doing is offering that solution to folks in Nigeria, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then in the U.S., there's a similar platform which people are familiar with called Affirm. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what we're trying to do because Nigeria is mostly a cash-driven society. So you have people having to do multiple things with limited cash. So what we're trying to do is kind of reduce that pressure on each individual and say, look, we know you don't have enough cash to buy what you need at the time, so we're offering you this service whereby you can still get what you want, but just ease up on your payments and spread it out. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, and for me, my, 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 my usual pitch is this. Imagine you're in America 30, 40 years ago, where you didn't have all of this nice, fancy stuff, mm -hmm. and you had the chance of doing it at that point in time, which is very good to do. Yeah. So we're trying to just do that in Africa to like, we don't have all those financing solutions in Best Buy, some of and other stores. We're trying to do that in Nigeria at the moment and we see a very huge market potential. Absolutely. So the company was founded in 2017? Yes. So awesome. So again, welcome to the U.S. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm excited about exploring things over the course of the next hour. Um, Fausto. Yep. Um, you... Um, You've got in Invoro, Invora, which was founded in 2016, but technically probably got off the ground in 2017. Yeah, yeah. So same question, a little bit of background of what it does, um, and how you stumbled into the idea or the light bulb went off. Yeah, so Invora is essentially a web-based e-invoicing and e-payment platform with cross-organization collaboration tools built right into it every step of the way, and. Yeah, we help vendors generate invoices and send them out instantly, and we help uh, the businesses who receive those invoices manage those invoices and collaborate with the vendors in real time and pay it off earlier as well. Okay. So, long story short, in terms of its origin, my co-founder, Manny, who's currently coding away okay. at uh, different integrations, he used to do accounts payable for a large retailer and kind of retired from that and started building software on the side. And one of his contacts, one of his friends, years down, years later, still had the same exact issue with accounts payable. You know, managing all the invoices, going back and forth with the vendors, getting everything settled and squared away, and reconciliation. So decided to do something about it and built in word from scratch. And right now we're about a couple of months into our beta, have uh, customers on board, managing payments. Gotcha. So uh, we'll flip back and forth on questions. Um, We've got an invoicing company here in town. You might have heard of it, Avid Exchange. Yeah. Um, is that a strategic partnership Partnership yeah. that might develop over time? Yep. Uh, we're working on that as well, actually. So it's different. We're similar in that sense where we manage invoices and payments. We're also different because we target different markets. Yep. So Avid Exchange is more mid, 
mid-level and up, and we're more small to mid. Okay. So the mom and pop shops, the event planners, the florists down the street, those kind of guys. But um, I'll play devil's advocate because that's what I do a lot on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, there's somebody that's doing something similar to you already. Uh, doesn't, doesn't that um, doesn't that scare you? No. There's a lot of there's a lot of players in the in the field. Yeah. Not even just Adam Exchange. There's Bill.com, There's Topalty. There's all these guys, right? Yeah. And everyone can manage and process an invoice. But what they're lacking, and what we felt that they're lacking, is the actual communication part. Because at the end of the day, a business is a group of people talking back and forth, working together to solve problems. And this is the part that we built right into it, every step of the way. So you'll get an invoice. You have an issue. You can chat. You can share documents all in real time as well. Okay. So that way you're not picking up the phone hoping someone's on the other line or shooting out an email where it gets lost in the abyss. So kind of like a Slack channel type event? Exactly, like a Slack channel, yep. Okay. So Google Docs on the invoice and then Slack channel built right into it. Okay. Sense. So awesome. Makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah. So and you're out of New York City? Yep. All right. So we've got New York and Nigeria represented. So um, two standard places we expect to have here in Charlotte. <laughs> um, so same type question. I mean, you know, um, for y'all and CredPal, you know, obviously they're, you know, I mean, you mentioned a competitor here in the U.S. right out of the gates. Um, you've got, you know, um, you've got that to worry about. You've got an emerging economy in addition to worry about, which I would imagine is a little bit of a wild, wild west anyways. Um, why, why start, why, why start a company with all that risk and potential failure right there in front of you? Well, um, let me say this, uh, you can answer this. Nigeria market, we don't really have that much competitors right now. What, what we have in Nigeria is people offering you emergency cash and getting like 20 to 30% interest rates, which we feel like that's ridiculous for someone that didn't have the money in the first place. Yeah. So we are offering, like the credit platform offers the, first of all, the interest rate is not ridiculous because it's spread out and much more um, bearable. But we, what we're offering is like, it's an option for you. You don't have to have that cash at the same time immediately, right, to purchase what you need. And then the competition markets in Nigeria, like I said, really don't have the credit platform. What you have is like people going to banks to get loans and nobody, no bank is gonna give you a loan to buy a television. Yeah. And then the process even to get the loans is ridiculous. Like you have the stressful process, you have the paperwork involved, which is all those things we're trying to eliminate. So I think for us, we're not worried about competition at the moment. And then even when the competition comes, which is also one of the things we pride ourselves about, the competitive advantage we look at, we're the first in the market at the moment offering this point of sale credit financing. So whenever anyone comes, we would have been like 10 steps ahead already finalizing and then fine tuning what we have at the moment. Absolutely, makes and, sense. And just to add to that, um, for me, I believe the credit market is like, the biggest markets because you're spending money you don't have yeah which means that it could keep growing and growing and growing so um, in, in that regard for competition i think uh, there's room for there's room for competition across the credit markets conveniently uh, without anyone being um kind of stifled that's on one part the second part is um the problem really is the fact that there's no real technology solution that offers simple and transparent credit mm-hmm. and that's why our firm came to america like the credit cards in america why did our firm start in america because some people just want simple 
transparent credit. Like I'm buying an item and I'm paying over three months and I'm paying the hundred dollars every month. Yeah. So which is a problem that um, even exists in the, in the um, global market, like in developed markets. So we're building that, which we feel is an is an advanced form of credit offering and simpler. And then we're also bringing it to an emerging market. So that we're, we're going to the future to take something and bring it into the I would say the past, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So so we feel that with that edge that we have, with the fact that we're building a solution that is simple, is transparent, can work across several markets because we've been to several other countries. We were in Hungary um, earlier this year to try and see how we could pilot there too because there was interest from there too. Like the technology is a, is globally relevant, but then we see a huge opportunity in Nigeria and Africa. So yeah. So for us, it's um, starting off from a less competitive landscape, which is Africa, but then building something that can actually scale across. The entire world so yeah we're finally competition what um what were you doing before uh what were you doing before credpal okay and um, for me um so i've been a software developer for over 10 years okay and um, i've been developing for banks and financial institutions and i've also developed software as e-commerce sites for retailers so in the mix i kind of saw the problems retailers had i can't abandon met like we have people trying to shop but they can't shop so only about 10 percent conversion from the retailers. And on the banking side, most of the banks were scared of going into consumer financing. They rather deal with big oil companies, big businesses. Mm-hmm. So there was this huge void in the middle that was affecting the retailers and also affecting the banks because they couldn't profit from the consumer financing space heavily in, in Nigeria. So like, hey, we have a, this is a huge chance for us. And we'll build a solution that solves both problems. So the financiers can use all our platforms to finance customers because we have the tools and we have the merchant network for that. And then the merchants too, have a place to go to if they need to get more customers because the customers can afford to pay all at once every time. So there's a new option for them and uh, it's been fantastic because the merchants have been so, so eager to integrate us. In fact, right now we're currently, we have a backlog of merchants who are waiting to, go, to come on our platform. Okay. Yeah, but then we're trying to manage um, our exposure too. So that's why we're not taking all them at once. Gotcha. And Essie, what were you doing beforehand? So my background is mostly, um, I read economics, I'm a graduate of economics, but my background was in customer retail. Um, so I did basically worked in the real estate and just handled like getting customers, um, yeah, basically just getting customers and handling them. And then we um, used to build houses and then, um, yep, yeah, the customers, we kind of also finance it was like a mortgage, but not really mortgage. So I handle the customer's end of all that. Okay. Yeah. So did you bump into each other on the street corner? Where did you, <laughs> where did you meet? Yeah. So we're the first the company I worked um, right after graduation was one of the first retail companies where he came to do something for the IT department. And that was how we met. So after school, um, after the company, rather, we maintained our relationship. And the funny thing is, when he started Credpal, one of the other ladies on the team, one of our other um, co-founders, we also went to school together, but we didn't know. We ran into each other through him, and I was like, oh, you're with Fainto, and I'm like, oh, okay. And we're now on the same board together on Credpal. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, well, cool. So, um, what, um, what were you doing beforehand? Well, I'll start off with Manny for a sec. Um, he was a software engineer for the past nine, ten years. Yeah. So working on different projects, large scale in, on, in the e-commerce space. And before that, he used to run accounts payable over at a large retailer. And I myself uh, was working in business development at a hedge fund. And before that, I was working in finance and operations at a larger bank. Okay. Yep. 
So same thing. I mean, you're in New York City. Did you bump into each other on a street corner, or where'd you meet? <laughs> Literally impossible with the population of New York. Yeah. But uh, Manny and I both worked at a startup in different departments. Okay. In the past life, he did the coding on the back end and all that stuff, and I worked in the finance department. Uh, the startup didn't go so well. We kind of went our separate ways, and we reconnected a little over a year ago. Okay. He was building out the prototype for Angora. Talked to me about it pain points, things that he experienced, and I myself have been a, uh, uh, um, a sole proprietor for a number of years as well. So I understand the whole dealing with the vendors part. It's kind of like, well, why hasn't this been fixed with all these guys out there? Why is it still an issue? So saw the platform, liked what I saw, jumped on board, and that's how we worked together. So give or take, you're a year into it. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been the most difficult aspect? <laughs> Outside of and get going. ready. For, <laughs> you know it's coming your way. Yeah. Uh, I would say getting the initial traction. We, Define traction. Our first, so we have about a dozen users on board so far. Okay. Dozen. Uh, so you're talking businesses. Businesses. Yes. yes. Okay. Businesses using it, uh, you know, generating invoices, managing it, going back and forth, and paying it off. But just getting that traction built up where it hits a critical mass because we built it as a network. So, you know, your vendors can invite their customers and you as a business can invite all of your vendors, right? And we can all connect and work with each other. Just getting that network off the ground has been proven, I guess, the most difficult. And second most difficult is just building the integration with all these ERPs and accounting softwares. No, absolutely. I get it. Um, so talk about that process for a second. I mean, you're a, you're a startup. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got one other customer. Um, and you're calling on businesses, I imagine, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, hey, try our platform. Um, <laughs> give us a chance. Um, how, does that, how does that go? I mean, do you beg? Do you plead? Do, uh... Not so well. So <laughs> <laughs> if I get a random phone call from a random company that says, hey, try our platform. Yeah. You know, we're managing you know, all your payments, which <laughs> means you have to give us your banking information. Of course I'm going to say no. Yeah. So what we did was we were part of the uh, WeWork Labs program back okay. in New York. So we leveraged that network. So we made, we established a bunch of relationships with all these startups and small businesses there. And we kind of just, hey, would you mind trying to give us a shot? We launched our beta. Try it out. Let us know. And that's how we got our initial uh, initial uh, customers on board. Gotcha. And we're doing the same thing down here in Charlotte. Leverage the WeWork network. We're actually working on a couple of deals to close. So Okay. Yeah. So Awesome. So um, we'll stay with that, but let's circle back over here. Um, so, Craig Powell, what's been the what's been the most difficult thing over the course of the first year? And I've run through like a thousand things in my head that <laughs> have to have been difficult for y'all. Oh. Um, but I'm interested in y'all's take. Both of them. It's a great thing about co-founders. You both have different opinions, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I've mentioned one, um, then he can contribute. Um, starting out, I'd say, because we didn't really go out to the streets to market to customers. Our approach was to approach the merchants and get them to refer their customers. So the difficult thing was actually getting the merchants to trust that this is a platform that they can use, that customers can use, and actually it would work for the customers because the merchants also have to consider that their reputation could be at risk if the customer, the customer, because 
the way it works is the customer has to deposit a 30% on the initial when they subscribe to use the service. Uh -huh. So this is something, Nigeria, is something you need to, is this a trusted, worthy platform to put my money down on? So get on, convincing the merchants, I'd say, was um, one of the challenges we had, and getting them on board to sign the to agree to partner with us because once the, the merchant does that, the platform is integrated into their websites where the customer now goes and applies and does all the process. So yeah, getting the merchants to actually believe that we have something as much as we believe in it and that the customers can trust the platform to use and it will work both ways, both for the customer and the merchant. So. Makes sense. I've got a better answer so for Essie. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, she has to work with the male co-founder, right? That's the most difficult. Yeah, that's the one Well, there's another lady on the team, so I said, yes, smart men, I know they need smart women. So. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so that's one, one issue. Um, although we've kind of managed that issue very well, because once the merchant overcomes that initial fear, like once they get their first check of the actual payment, and the customer is paying us back, and so on, then they are fine. Okay, so that initial order was kind of solved by actually giving them customers actually refinanced. Um, but the second issue, I'll say, was um, the financiers. Now, because we're a tech company, we didn't want to carry all of our financing on our own books. Yeah. So we focus on tech, and they allowed financiers to come in and finance, directly, finance customers directly. But then there's a challenge with the retail space. The retailer wants to get, his, uh, to get an yes or no on time because he has a limited inventory. He has lots of customers who want to buy it. So you can't hold this phone for more than, say, 24 hours. Because, and the financier might say, oh, guys, I need, I need 24 hours to kind of approve the credit. So there was, there was that um, time issue that the retailers had with the initial product, which added like a 24 to 48 hour um, timeline. So we have to kind of shorten that to, now we currently do one to 24 hours, which is still short, which is still long, because um, big merchants tell us that if you can do it 30 minutes approval or decline, then they can work with us because they have a, a thousand customers eating their sites regularly. Like they don't want them to wait for over an hour trying to get an item. Yeah. yeah so the challenge for us now is actually making the time less than one hour, like almost instant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for some of our customers who have who pass certain criteria, um, they get instant credit. Okay. But there's a large number of customers who need to kind of wait for four to twenty-four hours, which has been a challenge with the merchants, and it came from the fact that we're using um, a third-party financier to finance. So yeah, we're kind of solving that, uh, and that's part of why we joined the different program and hopefully we can get all the answers we need to solve that. Gotcha. Um, so I see um, like in the US we've got um, so security numbers, we've got credit scores which get um, stolen from us all the time. Um, your point's valid. It's, it's, it's a market that's developed over the course of the last 40 years. Um, in Nigeria I would assume you have something similar to a social security number um, our credit scores, I mean, you're sitting there shaking your head, yeah. like, um, already I see a problem, right? I mean, is, has that, all of that, is that something you're trying to create is how to credit score people out yeah. in Nigeria? And does, does something else exist that you can latch into or are you having to figure all that out as you go? Okay, yeah, um, yeah it's a big problem for us because yep. uh, like in the U.S. and developed countries, yeah, they have all of that working for them. But we have some kind of data. We have, like, what you mentioned, a social security number, yeah. which is, in our case, it's called a bank verification number. Okay. So all your bank accounts are tied to that number. I mean, you can kind of pull off mm -hmm. some information with that number, without the, even with customers and consent. Um, so we have that working for us. The second part is um, um, for the credit scoring. Now, the credit bureaus in Nigeria only do negative reporting, which means that there's only customers that default that get to get on the 
credit bureau's books. And that has made scoring almost impossible because you can't score based on negative score. You have to score on a positive, uh, on a positive score. So people that make pay repayments on time should get the positive score, but they don't get that in Nigeria. So yeah, so we're kind of working on that. And we've had FICO, for instance, partner with some credit bureaus in Nigeria trying to solve that problem. So we believe it's a problem that's currently being solved and over the next one to two years, with the help of FICO particularly, it's going to be solved in Nigeria. But then in the meantime, based on our current model, we score our customers using alternative means ourselves. Like we can pull, we pull the customer's bank statement and several other records after a consent, and then we analyze that in real time to see if he has a good spending habit that can allow him to get access to credit. We also try and check if he has all the existing loans, which might be a bit hard though, but we kind of have ways of getting that at the moment to check if he has all the existing loans just to kind of score him and then give out credit. So that's why in the in the meantime, um, um, it's taking us up like one, one hour to 24 hours mm -hmm. to get approval. And that's the one part. But um, the business case is this. We are over 190 million people in Nigeria. The 190 million people means that even if you target a million people who find very good and uh, who are prime customers, you're still going to make a lot of money. Yeah. So um, so as we grow our business, we believe that uh, we're going to focus more on the safe segment and grow into the other segments. And then our technology too, the credit bureaus and everything will also grow with that too, which means that um, in the next one year, we believe that we'll be able to satisfy that whole a large chunk of market. So yeah, so I think it's for us. It's a problem that we're managing very well now. So um, we'll stay there, and then I've same set of two questions that are coming to you um, as far as um, challenges that are developed along the way. And then the second question: um, how um, how much of these challenges did you foresee when you started the company, versus how much of it is kind of oh shoot, we've got to do this too. Um, did you foresee a lot of that stuff or, and obviously you think through some of it, but I guess how much of it is just coming at you from different angles, like Sh shit, I didn't see that, or shoot, I didn't, you know, um, or did you foresee a lot of the challenges ahead of time? Yeah, so we foresaw a lot of challenges. We even, uh, we're even more scared than we are now initially. And that's because we looked at it like, a lot of guys are not doing this. Sometimes it's a big problem. Like there's a huge market in front of us, but they're not doing it. So why are they not doing it? So we kind of talk through all possible scenarios, customer defaults, and all of that. But we discovered one thing that, and it's, it's actually a cultural thing, is that uh, even our customers don't want to default. Like, you don't want to use a phone that you're owing on. Like, so we have, we have some customers who actually went ahead to pay ahead of time. Like, a customer actually paid in one month for three installments because okay. they had the money to pay for it. Yeah, so we, 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 we know that because it's new and novel, people don't want to abuse it yet. Like, it's when it's, it's, when it's now a common thing that people tend to abuse Stop. So the customers are a bit cautious now, which means that for some of our customers, especially returning customers, they get instant approval because they were very good. That's one part. The second part is, um, yeah, um, as we came into the market, uh, we discovered that there were lots of people who were solving those problems. So we've been plugging into those guys to kind of get the solutions. Right, and for us to build it out ourselves, we're kind of getting lots of leverage. So yeah, I'll say that we foresaw most of it. Um, if you jumped at us, I'll say, but then there are ones that um, and a bit of programming and a bit of partnership has been able to solve for us. So there's nothing really out of control at the moment for us now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll just add that um, one of the problems which we saw as a big thing was the social security which you mentioned. We don't have that. And I think that's part of what makes our product unique, the AI tool which we use. And that's used to um, underwrite the customer and make sure that each person actually qualifies. And I think that AI tool built called the Intel engine, 
that actually um, verifies, checks the customer's bank statements and all the necessary information. I think that problem is kind of what was foreseen in the beginning that has helped to make the product, product the unique product it is today. So the social security number, which is, what again, what we're trying to... Um, but you're skimming off the top. Yeah. Right. Not not the top top, top. but you're you're skimming off the um, the next the sixty to eighty percent. You're not yes. taking the the top twenty percent probably have access to stuff anyways. Yeah. It's the yeah. next layer that y'all are delivering to first, exactly. and then you'll figure out how to continue to move down the chain. Exactly. exactly. So because we look at things like your bank statements, we also have to make sure like you have a good source of income, mm -hmm. and then we also verify that you're with a reputable organization, not just someone because um, some organizations in Nigeria can be funny. So we look at all those things, and that's what we use to actually know if a customer is eligible for a product they're applying to get. Okay, that makes sense. And I just want to ask, like she mentioned about the Intel engine that we built, and we realized that the, for, for the long-term competitiveness of the company, having access to good data is important for us. So um, we built a technology that allows us to um, get lots of data from the customer, analyze that data, and then looks at patterns which can kind of give us more insight into a particular customer segment. So for instance, um, we noticed that with the bankers, for instance, bankers are the, are the, most, um, are the best um, repairs because they're in the banking sector and you, you being in, in debt in the banking sector is bad for you. So we saw that all our bankers were giving us early repayments. Okay, so we had to kind of dig and see why is that happening? So that um, engine, like you mentioned, the Intel engine, kind of gives us lots of insight into what's going on with our customers that we can now figure out what exactly it is that's making it going that way and then we change our model to work for that. So yeah, so we're working with data a lot okay. to achieve that. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So Pastor, um, I mean, I guess you step away and you look at their market, um, to a certain extent what they've created um, is something that has been created here in the U.S. before um, and even kind of on the um, how it's delivered aspect of it, right? Um, it's just an emerging market. Where you are, I mean, you're delivering more of an electronic um, um, invoicing platform communication tool for small businesses. And, I mean, I know small businesses, um, they're unorganized, they do everything by paper, um, they can't find anything that works because they're particular about everything. Um, so, I mean, a lot of challenges as well as you go out there and build it. Yeah. Definitely. I think one of the uh, biggest challenges from the small business end is they're so, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but they are stuck in their ways. Oh, yeah, they're definitely stubborn. They're <laughs> stuck in their ways, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're used to the paper. They're used to taking hours at a time to reconcile anything invoice-related. And if there's an issue, they will just hire another person and throw more bodies, which eats at their cost in yeah. more time, right? It's hardly cost-inefficient. Exactly. Yeah. It's highly costly, highly inefficient. And if there is a solution out there, it, it's it, they're very adverse to it because it's, oh, it's technology, it's overcomplicated, there's a high learning curve that I need to do, there's another step in my process that I need. So that's why kind of the user, the user interface that we built out is incredibly simple and straightforward. Like, if you know how to use Facebook, if you know how, if you know how to use Instagram, you absolutely know how to use Invoira. It's, it's simpler than that. Okay. It's very intuitive, very straightforward, and that's what we kind of aim for in terms of the technological aspect and the adoptability of it. Now, it's just a matter of 
slightly changing their behavior, right? Instead of going through a filing cabinet to look for all your invoices, right? All you have to do is go on an instant search on Invoira and it just pops up immediately. You know the invoice number, all right, fine. You know the vendor, fine. You know when it's due, all these different filters that we built out, the different search functionalities that we built out as well. So kind of just shifting their behavior from receiving a paper invoice, you know, putting it to the side, and then whenever you get to it, take it and then just put it into your accounting software, reconciliation at some point in time. It's just, everything's electronic, everything's instant, so everything's in real time, so just getting them to shift their behavior from just paper-based to just look at a screen really quickly. So how did you, um, I mean, you're, you're, I guess your you're co-founder has experience in this space yeah. to an extent, um, but how many of the problems have you foreseen along the way or are there new things that pop up on a daily basis and how do you handle them? So it's very interesting. I'll give you a uh, technological issue that came on early on when we onboarded our first uh, customer, which he's awesome, by the way, and actually trusted us to be our very first customer. Yeah. Uh, he leverages the he leverages Invoira to pay off his software developers. So at one point in time, and he's very patient too, so at one point in time, um, the payment had bounced back, and instead of going to his bank account, it went to Invora's bank account because of how the 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 uh, software that we were leveraging was built out. Yeah. So <laughs> that took like an extra like week or two to just get him, and it was about five grand or something like that. It was just like, oh well. We could use an extra five grand. Yeah, thanks but also, a lot. It's not our money. Yeah. So we were incredibly patient, and uh, he was incredibly patient with us, and we kind of just held his hand throughout every step of the way. Like, here's the update. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going back and forth. And he was like, "Guys, don't even worry about it. It's fine. I've been there before." And I'm like, yeah. "Why? Thank you." Yeah. <laughs> Do you need the five grand? Because we could use that. Yeah. Right? What's the five grand loan cost over a week these days, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like even on the back end of the technology for that, right? It's kind of unexpected, but it happened and it's something we need to address because it's, you know, it's going to happen down the line, period. It's not like we're saying it's never going to happen, right? If you say it's never going to happen, it's going to happen to you all the time. Yeah. But even on that back end, but also on, in terms of the user, what I just described is kind of just shifting their behavior a little bit so they can be more efficient, right? So instead of taking hours to, you know, process an invoice and pay it out, you know, the whole invoice to pay process is literally takes about two, three weeks yep. for a single invoice mm -hmm. where you could just take a couple of minutes online and that's it. Yeah. So that's, that's the shift that we're trying to enact. I mean, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it's been enacted in a thousand different, um, or I guess it's been enacted upstream a lot mm -hmm. with the larger corporations yeah. that are bringing it to this. To exactly. The, to so we're taking all that technology that the, higher level or corporations enterprises have and bring them to the smaller guys. Yeah, makes a ton of sense. Um, so you've got two co-founders? No, myself and one, uh, my other co-founders too. So yeah, two total? Two total, yeah. yeah. So we're on the same levels. page. Sorry. <laughs> um, he's technical and then your business development. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, and over here we've got three co-founders. Four. Four, we got four co-founders. Mm -hmm. yeah. Technical? Anyone? Two of them. Two te so y'all two are non-tech? No, non I'm not technical. You're, not technical. <laughs> You're technical. technical. Okay. The other guy is technical, and the other lady is financial. Okay. Yeah. So um, 
benefit, and we'll wrap up on this question um, for both of you, benefit that you found in having multiple co-founders and then obviously over your belt, so um, just another co-founder. So um, beneficial, I mean, gosh knows there's headaches, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, more beneficial than would you would you go back and do it yourself? Would you start another startup on your own? Um, yeah, um, and I think it's very beneficial because um, we're suddenly a big problem in Africa. Yeah. I'll say so. It's uh, you need to get the right people to work with you, and so it's better you get people who can work with you and give results than try trying to do one by yourself. So yeah, so it's been very beneficial, very very stronger um, working relationship amongst ourselves, and uh, yeah. 100% beneficial, no regrets. If you had another startup to start, <laughs> would you do it on your own? No. No? Same Go found, same go team. Take the same team. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are times I want to kill them. <laughs> 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 well, <laughs> yeah, um, it's been beneficial because we don't all know it. We don't know it all, right? Yeah. So you do need a team. And, yep, it's been great um, having the guys and another female, so... It's definitely beneficial. Uh, you you have to say that. I'll ask you all day or later. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. well, on air. Yeah. Uh, so your your co-founder is not here right now, so you don't have to say nice things about him. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> no. Um, having a co-founder is just incredibly awesome. Uh, Manny found me actually, so it's I like to say it's his baby. He started. I just yep. happen to be there at the right place at the right time. Yeah. But he's very adamant, and it's, it's, it's a shared thing, right? Uh, he's more technical than I am, obviously. I can't code my way out of a paper bag, so, you know, I'll suffocate. We're in good company. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll handle all the stuff that, you know, we, we balance off of each other. His, me, his primary strength is in coding and building, you know, solutions, and my primary strength is everything else, kind of the, 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 the sales, the business development, the kind of the operations that I'm still more or less learning, but also like strong financials as well. So everything else that kind of just doesn't work well with that. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, I would do it again with the co-founder. There's, okay. there's no way I would be able to do this alone. Okay. Well, cool. No, that's a, that's a good wrap. I mean, I certainly learned, I knew um, a fair amount about both of you just from talking to different people in the program and then doing some research on my own. All good things uh, out. Uh, no, no, nothing positive until the interview today. Um, but it's good to get to know both companies a little bit. I want to come back on part two, and we'll circle through, and we'll talk about um, uh, QC Fintech, Charlotte, other than the weather, since we've already knocked the weather out of the park, um, and, um, and kind of take it from there. But thanks for, uh, for sitting around for part one, and I look forward to starting up part two here in just a minute. So hopefully you enjoyed that show as much as I did in uh, recording it. I, again, I'll go back and I say I think that Dan and his um, and his group are doing a great job at recruiting companies from all over the world to bring them here to Charlotte. Um, as you'll learn in the the next podcast, they're getting benefits out of it. They see the value in it. So that's fantastic as well. So A, we've got great companies coming to Charlotte. Um, B, we're giving them what they're looking for as far as the community goes from from mentorship and um, the ability to to access some top talent in the fintech industry and everything else. So it's so a solid podcast today. Again, I, I, you know, I, I encourage you to come out and see the QC Fintech class present on June 13th. I think it's a, a great event. It's a great spotlight for Charlotte here. 
and come get a chance to meet FT and SE and Fausto in person, along with some of the other companies that will be presenting. Um, learn a little bit more about their story and see what you can do to help change the trajectory of their company as they continue to to pivot and move it forward from here. So um, we look forward to having you back on the Charlotte Angel Connection next week to learn more about their experience with the Accelerator Program and life here in Charlotte. William Bissett is an investment advisor representative with Seacrest Blakey & Associates, a registered investment advisor. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Seacrest Blakey & Associates. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Seacrest Blakey & Associates does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interests may be offered only to persons who qualify as accredited investors under the Securities Act and a qualified purchaser as defined in Section 2A, Paragraph 51, Line A, under the Company Act or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interests. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.